Something strange is brewing at the revival camp on the edge of town. The good people of Alliance can only wonder what it is this time. The Lupton Missionary Home and Grounds have been the scene of curiosity and concern for years. Folks babbling strange tongues. Dazed worshippers wandering off the grounds. Dubious claims of miraculous healing. The faithful and the skeptics flock to the big house among the beech and maple trees every June to see charismatic preacher Levi Lupton. Some call Levi the Apostle of Alliance. Some call him a fraud. But the grounds of the missionary home have been unusually quiet in this year of the Lord, 1910. Levi is preaching in distant cities when he's not tending to the hundreds of chickens he recently bought. June passes without a camp meeting for the first time in almost 10 years. Then two weeks before Christmas, a revelation royals Levi's followers, and soon the whole town. The surprise is no strange miracle or wild-eyed prophecy. It's an eight-week-old baby boy with dark hair, dark eyes, and a striking resemblance to Levi Lupton. Welcome to Tales from the Rep Morgue, the podcast that explores the Canton Repository's 200-year-old archive. I'm your host, Shane Hoover. Before sex scandals topple Jim Baker, Jimmy Swaggart, and more recently, Jerry Falwell Jr., there is Levi Lupton. In 1910, newspapers from coast to coast follow Levi's sensational fall. The scandal sparks a book and lawsuits. It also creates a family of descendants who are well into adulthood before they discover the truth about their origin. In its day, the Lupton Missionary Home sprawls over a dozen acres at what is now the intersection of Beechwood Avenue and Electon Road in Washington Township. Today, the property belongs to a group home. I grew up a couple of miles from there and drive past the site thousands of times. But I don't hear about the missionary home or Levi Lupton or the scandal until a few years ago. Curious, I pull the thread. Part 1. Levi Lupton The first thing you notice about Levi are his eyes. The few pictures of him show a man with an intense gaze. With his dark hair slicked down, trimmed beard and bow tie, Levi's contemporaries say he looks more like a well-to-do businessman than a minister. He is a man with magnetic power. He speaks slowly and uses few words. His eyes drive home his message. Levi is born in 1860, 
a couple miles north of the village of Beloit in Mahoning County. As a young man, he moves with his parents to Michigan. They found a small community that still carries the Lupton name. That's where Levi becomes a Quaker minister. He returns to Alliance around 1900 and sparks a religious revival in the city with tent meetings. Levi is a skilled preacher, or con man. Either way, he's successful. Like the time at that small town Indiana revival in the summer of 1901. Levi tells a Sunday crowd the Lord has promised he will get $500 that very day to start a school for young preachers. $500 in 1901 is worth almost $15,000 today. The crowd gives Levi the money in less than 30 minutes. Closer to home, Levi uses his skill to raise money to build the original Friends Church and Alliance on the corner of East Broadway Street and South Park Avenue. But Levi has greater ambitions and some of his teachings begin to raise eyebrows. While still pastor of the Friends Church and Alliance, Levi buys a Pullman rail car. The passenger car is 66 feet long, with sleeping room for 14 passengers, plus a dining room, bathroom, kitchen, and state and observation rooms. The car costs $4,500. Levi says he's taking his revival show on the road. He also buys land outside Alliance for camp meetings. In 1904, Levi sets his sights on Africa. The church won't sponsor his mission, so Levi resigns as the pastor in Alliance and goes on his own. The trip takes Levi and several companions to England and then to West Africa. They travel hundreds of miles inland, but fail to start a lasting mission. When Levi returns home in June 1905, he turns his attention to the missionary home. Part 2, when we come back. Part 2, The Gift of Tongues. June 1907. Night falls over a maple grove. Beneath the trees, a tent glows like a paper lantern, lit within by lamps and religious fervor. Men and women beg God to grant them the power to miraculously speak other languages. They call it the gift of tongues. Surrounded by mystic signs and banners, Levi prays with the faithful. Women rock back and forth and laugh shrilly, then fall to the ground sobbing. Men clench their fists, their faces distorted by emotion, and shout, Lord! Lord! Worshippers crawl on their knees to the altar, or collapse in the damp straw spread on the ground. The meetings last all day, and deep into the night. Scoffers call it nonsense in gibberish. But hundreds of people from 30 states and abroad 
flocked to the revival at the Lupton Missionary Home, including a hundred clergy from a score of denominations to plead for the tongues. Lupton says that those who received the strange gift will return to their homes to spread the Pentecostal doctrine. He claims God has spoken to him personally. It is my profound conviction that in a few years we will outgrow and absorb every other faith and creed. We will swallow up the Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, the Christian Science Church, and the heathen hordes of Buddha, Confucius, and Mohammed. Levi Lupton Most mainstream ministers, including the Quakers, denounce Levi. But the revivals grow. Levi has tapped a vein throbbing in American spirituality. His followers are disillusioned with the traditional Protestant denominations. They embrace an enthusiastic, emotional form of worship, including faith healing and speaking in tongues. White and black, rich and poor, old and young, these people flock to Levi. At times there are more than a thousand worshipers on the missionary home grounds. Levi moves quietly through the noisy swirls of amens and hallelujahs, giving brief words of encouragement. He claims God speaks to him in visions. Mind God, he tells his followers. Always mind God. Levi's African mission trip fails. His old denomination denounces him, but his star is rising. Over the next couple of years, Levi shifts his focus from the gift of tongues to faith healing. The final camp meeting is in June 1909. One night, a visiting minister is preaching the end of the world when a heavy storm blows into the camp. As rain pours down on the revival tent, a group of 25 men and boys from Alliance gather outside to attack Levi with stones and clubs. One member of the mob throws a large rock into the tent and hits a woman kneeling in prayer, her hands lifted to the sky. More rocks follow. Levi strides into the storm in the mob like an Old Testament prophet. Let the heathen rage, even as the twelve apostles were martyred at the hands of unbelievers. So may we become martyrs. But if God wills it, we will be saved until our work is done. He begs the rock throwers to stop doing the devil's work. Then he invites them into his tent. Part 3, when we come back. Part 3. Scandal The summer following the camp meeting goes poorly for Levi. A bout of typhoid nearly kills him a month after the crowds leave. 
there is no revival in 1910. Levi blames newspaper criticism, among other reasons. He starts raising hundreds of chickens on the property and continues to run the training school for missionaries. He also goes on the road preaching. His secretary, a young woman from Cleveland named Mamie Corlett, leaves the missionary home in early summer to go out west. She returns in November. Levi is preaching in Chicago when Mamie's family comes to the home and speaks to Levi's wife, Laura. An urgent telegram calls Levi back to Alliance. His arrival coincides with the arrival of a mysterious baby boy. Levi confesses a few days later. He is the boy's father. Mamie is the mother. And the boy's name is David. Levi writes a letter to his closest followers. He has succumbed to temptation with one of the women who worked at the missionary home. He is closing the school. He begs his missionaries for forgiveness. The devil has tried to wreck his noble work. My heart has been crushed, and my life, as it were, ground to powder, as well as hers and that of my dear wife and many others. The confession is front-page news, but the scandal is just getting started. Thanks for listening to Tales from the Rep Morgue. Our theme music is Blind by Maidon. Special thanks to Derek Hoover for lending his voice to this episode. Other songs appearing in this episode included Blue by Komiku and Great Expectations and Sentinel by Kai Engel. You can listen to Tales from the Rep Morgue and other podcasts at Canton Rep dot com.